Welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, D. Dylan Bear, and Ryan Griffin, delivering the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. What's up, loyal listeners, along with Paul Roshan, Ryan Griffin, should be Dylan Bear, but he Who? bitched out at the last minute. I'm Matt Bass, and we are Sports Paul? Carnage, and welcome to another exciting cast full of, uh, once again, NBA talk, because it's the best time of the year. The NBA offseason is must-see TV, and thanks to Kawhi Leonard, it is continued must-see TV, because he did take himself out of the land up north, he got himself out of Winterfell and brought himself down to the land of Hollywood, although not... The King's Landing? Yeah, the King's Landing. <laughs> although not in the purple and gold, but in the red, white, and blue of the Los Angeles Clippers. So, Ryan, True the American. great logo Jerry West, does it once again as he not only gets Kawhi to come to Los Angeles and not the Lakers, but also who was supposed to come to the Lakers two years ago, Paul George, is also a Clipper. First, I would like to start by welcoming uh, Paul Rashawn to the show. Thank you. Welcome thank back. You. I've missed thank him you. very much. Very, very much. Although, it's very upsetting that I come back and I am greeted by nobody in the fourth spot. <laughs> you scared him away. We've been abandoned. Uh, we're basically yeah. just substituting you two at this point. <laughs> just alternates. I'm about to change the intro, like we said we would for three months. <laughs> uh, this so Ka- Kawhi's decision to the Clippers I mean, I, but I didn't guess... really come out of nowhere because they were at least throughout the season they were the favorite to land them. What came out of nowhere was obviously the Paul George stuff, and I love and it's been put um, a couple of times in this way. And Paul, I know you're in this camp, and then a lot of the people that have heard discuss it either on local radio or just like nationally on ESPN is everyone's talking about the haul that the Clippers gave up. It's basically, I think five unprotected first round picks and then the ability to swap like two or three others. So in the end, it's like eight picks that you're essentially not getting, but you're not just trading for Paul George. You're trading essentially for Kawhi Leonard too, because if you don't make that move for Paul George, Kawhi Leonard is not going to you, and he's going cross town to the Lakers. Cross and then you're town. never going to be able to compete. <laughs> cross the town, same town. Cross the court. <laughs> right. Cr- cross Locker practice. Room on the other side of the building. <laughs> but then you're not going to ever be able to compete. And who knows how serious him like and the Lakers talks were. But you can definitely bet that that's something that <clears throat> Toronto leveraged um, and Kawhi's camp leveraged. Like, hey, this or not. Uh, not Toronto because they didn't trade for him, excuse me, but just Kawhi's camp. Like, hey, if you guys don't do this, he's going to the Lakers, and then you're never going to be able to compete because they're going to have LeBron. And then after LeBron retires in, what, five years, six years, they're still going to have Anthony Davis, and they're still going to have Kawhi Leonard. So the Clippers' hand was really kind of forced for them to make that move, and now they're no contenders not just in the West but for the entire thing because they filled out their roster pretty nicely. It was a squad that took – uh, Golden State to six games last year. They re-signed Pat, Patrick Beverly. They're, uh, they might still land Andre Iguodala. 
I know this podcast comes out, you know, usually two days or so after we record it. But the thought is at least he's going to get bought out by Memphis and go to one of those teams. But even without Iggy, you still got Montrose Hero. Uh, their defense, at least for the Clippers, Oof. just looks nasty. It looks nastier than Toronto's was last year. Mm-hmm. It'll probably be the best defense we've seen since Boston in 08. I mean, I think the Clippers should be the favorites. I, I don't know why they wouldn't be at this point. And everyone's going to talk about the haul that they gave up for Paul George. You guys know how much I love Paul George. We talked about it a ton on this podcast. Your favorite player in the NBA. But it is not. But regardless of what you think about it, if you say, oh, the haul is too much for a guy like Paul George, the trade was not for Paul George. They essentially traded for Kawhi and Paul George. And regardless of how much hate you have for Paul George, you can't say he's anything less than a top seven NBA player. You can't do it. You're just a fool at that point. So they essentially traded that hole for two top seven <laughs> NBA players. And as Matt said, or maybe it was Ryan. Just got I'm, back. I'm Already not paying attention. So far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, th- this is what they had to do. Their hand was forced. Kawhi goes to the Lakers and it's over. It's done for the Clippers. It's done for the NBA. So they really didn't have a choice. But Matt, I got to pose a question to you. We're talking about trades. And uh, I just want to know if this podcast is now a contender, because this week we basically traded out Reggie Jackson for Russell Westbrook. <laughs> so I want to know if that makes this podcast a contender. It absolutely <laughs> makes this podcast a contender. And All if right, we can make I mean, it, Dylan wasn't on last week. Oh, no, D- D- Dylan came in last week, like at the very end, didn't he? <laughs> he did join us at the very end. He still could come back. He could pull one on us, although he's not in the right mood. He didn't just come back. Right, he could do the Spider-Man. same thing. He could do a Marcus Morris and bail on, and bail bail on, on his Antonio, decision to quit and then come back. So as long as we've established that makes this podcast a contender, I want to get right into what happens to the Detroit Pistons if they do the thing. Oh, if Warriors waiting to Sean Livingston. actually land... Russell Westbrook. I mean, it'd be great. It would be great for Detroit because we would bring in a bona fide superstar at the guard position that we really haven't had. I mean, I know we just got Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose is past his prime through no fault of his own. Injuries suck. They deplete anybody and everybody. Former MVP Derrick Rose. Brandon Roy, who should still be playing in the NBA right now, hasn't played in damn near a decade because of issues. And Derrick Rose, who was a former MVP, as Ryan just said, had his career mm-hmm. essentially stolen from him Respect. through injuries. Uh, and that's great. But I mean, a current bona fide superstar, a triple-double machine literally his entire career, and especially over the last three years. And it would be great. And you might actually get people to uh, fill those red seats at the uh, at the LCA, the dojo. <laughs> but it still doesn't make They're us... they NB- Oh, do they make them black? Oh, good for them. They it's, did. They ruined the seats. They, Honestly, no, they, they wanted to make the Pistons upsetting. feel more welcome. It wasn't just it the was all the, It was all those hockey yeah, fans the, complaining yeah, like is Pistons, what it was. Like the Pistons' secondary color isn't red. <laughs> all those hockey fans complaining. Look, it would be great Honestly. for Detroit fans Pretending to actually they're watching show up, the games. And we would win some a lot more basketball games than without him, but... We're still not a contender. We still don't have any outside shooting. I don't care what you say about Luke Kennard coming into his own, as you like to put it. The man still needs to season and come into his own. He is still an up-and-comer. He showed some great signs of life against Milwaukee in the playoffs and in the month or two leading up to that time period. But I need to see more out of him. I need to see a full season where I can depend on him as an outside shooter because I haven't seen anyone that I can depend on as an outside shooter wearing blue and red in years. I have a question. How much do we need an outside shooter 
when we are going to bully teams in the paint, when we are going to have the best pick and roll combinations in the entire league, when we are going to just smash the glass. You, who, who is even within two tiers of us is a rebounding team when you have the best rebounding guard in the NBA, the best rebounding big in the NBA, and then, oh, by the way, you still have Blake Griffin that's not part of those two. So you want to play so 80s basketball gonna, in 2020. You are going to absolutely smoke the glass. And listen, I don't care how poor of a shooting team you are. We do have some shooters on this team. Blake can stroke it. He's gotten better every single season the past couple of years. Luke is coming into his own. He can stroke it. We got younger guys that are coming up. Russ can hit shots when he needs to. You have a guy like Dwayne Casey, who that's his expertise, is an offensive system built around the three ball. We are going to be able to shoot at least at close to league average. And we're not going to need to shoot that well when we're taking 20 extra shots a game because we are just pummeling the glass and when half of those shots are at the rim and we're taking high percentage shots in when we are taking those three balls, they're going to be wide open. And I don't know if you've looked at the statistics on what NBA players knock down on wide open shots, but it's pretty damn good no matter how not great of a three-point shooting team you are. They hit their open shots. This team, it would be exciting, honestly, as far as exciting, it would be the most exciting Pistons team I can remember. Back when we were real contenders, we weren't this exciting. It was a completely different brand of basketball. But they would Yeah, that be team could play threat. defense. Who's playing defense the, on this team? Derrick Rose playing threat. defense? Not a chance. Westbrook playing defense? <laughs> nope. Blake playing defense? Whoa, uh-uh. whoa, 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 whoa. Don't you dare disparage Westbrook's name like that. <laughs> Don't. No, 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 no. You, I mean, listen, Westbrook's not a very good defender. Defense. Luke, Luke Kennard, not going to play that great We ain't defense. got no defense. Pe- teams are going to be dropping 126 points a game on us. You ain't got no defense. Yeah, you act like anybody in the NBA plays defense. They do better than the Pistons do. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, new NBA, everyone looks at threes versus twos. We ain't got no three-point shooting. Not enough. Plenty of teams out there with much better three-point shooting and play better defense. So in, in terms of the shooting, you're right. We don't have uh, like as much as other teams. But as Paul mentioned, Blake's coming to his – not well, Blake's not coming to his own because he's a great player. <laughs> he's been his but own Blake's, for a while. But Blake's a better shooter than he's ever been in his career, and he's the only improved. Kennard mm-hmm. has the ability to be – an elite three-point shooter up there, you know, with the Corvers, with the Reddicks, um, you know, Clay Thompson, at least in the types of percentages that he can shoot. Dumboya, we don't know how much he's going to play, but he figures to be at least a pretty good shooter. Um, Russ, Russ has gone down the last couple of years, obviously, shooting. Um, so in that aspect, you're right. We don't have as much three-point shooting team, three-point shooting as other teams. The biggest thing for if we get Russ is going to be really what we give up. If we can give up, say like a Langston Galloway, Tony Snell, and Reggie Jackson without giving up Kennard um, or Dumbuya, Dumbuya, however you say his name, without giving up either of those guys and doing like uh, Langston, Reggie, Don, or Tony Snell, it would have to be to make the salaries work, but Reggie, Langston, Tony Snell, and then like two first-round picks. If we're able to keep Kennard um, and Dumbuya, then you have like a top seven or eight rotation where Paul already mentioned the five. You know, you have Dre, you have Derrick Rose, you have Blake Griffin, you have Kennard, you have Russ, you have Dumbuya. But then off the bench, you also have a guy like Marquise Morris. <laughs> you named <who> six. 
six. So you have a guy like Marquise Morris. Um, you have a guy two, and I, I named him earlier. I can't, I can't really go. Arvidas Sabonis. Um, no, not Arvidas. He's he's probably going to be not not here. Um, but you have Dumbuya is one. You have Russ is two. McKilliak, have... Speed McKilliak, whatever. <laughs> no, I mean he can, it looks like he can shoot though. Yeah, it does. But you would have two it's of the top. League. You probably have two of the top eight players in the East, and even Kyrie Thomas is showing he can shoot in summer league. Obviously, we don't know how that would translate over, but he is shooting forty eight percent from three, and he's a guy that's looked really good. Um, and Bruce Brown, you know, last year he was a rookie and he was kind of forced to start more games than any NBA team would want him to, especially the Pistons who were a playoff team. But he started, you know, a really good number of games for us. Probably, um, just off the top of my head, probably about 15 or 20 games, which is about a fourth of the season that Bruce Brown started. And again, in the summer league, he looks good. And of course, they're playing way less competition, but these are guys with an extra year of NBA experience under our belt. So for the Russell Westbrook trade, it really depends on what you give up. If you're able to keep both Luke and Dumbuya, then you do have a real shot at the East because you have a guy like Russ who the only player in the East that you would probably say is definitively, no matter what, better than Russell Westbrook would be Giannis. Other than that, you could probably argue Embiid. You you might argue Kyrie. I'd say Russ is a better single player than Kyrie. You can't. But Blake's... You know, in there too, in the top eight is probably as high as you would go. Some people might put him top five. And then, as Paul mentioned, Drummond would be the best third player in the East. Right? You talk about like a big three in the NBA. These guys have kind of, or at least this year, it's kind of been about the big two or this upcoming year. Andre Drummond would give you a legitimate big three. As much as people in Detroit don't like Drummond, think he's overpaid, think he's not. Or, you know, worth kind of what he's getting on the basketball court. This is still a dude that averaged 17 points and 15 boards last year. And I love the point that Paul brought up about rebounding because you're absolutely going to kill other teams on the glass. And that might not be as big of a part in the NBA game as, say, it is in the college game. But that's still a form. One is a form of defense. If you can limit the other team to really just one shot, like per their time on that end of the court, that's huge for you. That's another reason why I've always said, you know, Kevin Love is a better quote-unquote defender than people give him credit for because he's always been a great rebounder. And if you can end their possession by you yourself getting the ball, even if you're not the one that caused the missed shot or you didn't block the shot or, you know, whatever the case may be, you didn't alter it, if you're still able to grab that possession and end it, that's value that you're adding to your team. And Russ does that even when the Thunder aren't boxing everyone else out so then Russ can go in and just scoop the rebound for his stats, right? Blake Griffin's a great rebounder. Drummond might be the best rebounder in the NBA. And then, of course, Russ is the best rebounder from his position. And, again, we don't know how much Sekou is going to play. But he figures to be, you know, a pretty good rebounder as well, at least coming off the bench. Um, And then Derrick Rose. Of course, we don't know about health with any of these guys, and that's probably the biggest issue the Pistons would have. Russ has had health issues. Blake has had health issues. Obviously, everyone knows about Derrick Rose's health issues. But this is a team that would have two former MVPs, and Rose isn't anywhere near his former MVP self. But last year, he gave you 18 points per game off the bench, 
or not you, but, you know, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. He gave Minnesota 18 points per game off the bench on 48% shooting, and he shot the best from three that he, at least he shot in his career. And he only played in, you know, 50 games. But if this is a team that can stay healthy, and it's a big if, but it's a big if for really every team in the East, especially if you're talking about a team like Philly um, or even a team – you know, like Boston, who for the past couple of years, they've had a lot of dudes who couldn't stay healthy. And then you're trying to bring in a new point guard again, which like Boston is. Philly's trying to bring in some new pieces. So it's not like there's a team with a whole lot of cohesiveness out there. Milwaukee would probably be the favorite in the East, and they just lost Brogdon, who some people thought was their second best player. At worst, he was the third best player behind Chris Middleton. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of kind of deck shuffling right now going on in the Eastern Conference. And if you can bring in a talent like Russell Westbrook and you don't have to give up either Luke um, you know, or Sekou, then at least to me, you're right there in top four, top three contention in the East. And then you get to the playoffs and you just see what happens, right? Someone else may not be healthy by then. And you know, all credit to Toronto for winning the title, but that's a lot of the reason why they won the title is they ran into a team who was not as lucky in the health department as they were, and they were able to get their title for one year. Obviously, Kawhi left the conference. So if you get Russ and you're not giving up any of those other pieces, I think you're better than Toronto, who has Pascal, who has you know, a, a one-year-older Kyle Lowry, a one-year-older Mark Gasol. Uh, you know, Fred Van Fleet still coming off the bench. Right, a, a one-year-older Serge Ibaka, too. So for for me, the amount of talent that the Pistons would have, depending on what they would have to give up, if they can give up, you know, kind of the least the least price possible, and still be able to get Russell Westbrook, that's a team that can really do some damage in the East, especially at the end of the season where health is just a wild card for every team. You're kind of rolling the dice because all these dude had all these dudes have played basketball from you know October to what, April, so it's about six months of basketball there, and you just kind of hope that in the end of it, you're the team that has the best hope. And okay, if the Pistons so can just, do that with Russell Westbrook, they're they're right there I in don't you know consideration. Understand. It's like we forget what Russell Westbrook is. I mean, you hear on the radio, people are calling in, they're like, I don't want to trade for Russell Westbrook. It's going to be the Allen Iverson trade all over again. I mean, this is just absurdity of all absurd levels. You are talking about a guard who has averaged a triple-double three straight years. And has zero finals appearances for all Think of his of, efforts. That's not true at all. Uh, not not in the last not three years. Last three years, but he made it with he has zero oh, finals oh, appearances during, for during all of his efforts. So, all of his triple double efforts. So, so he it's is his zero. fault that the greatest team in league history is in his conference, and he didn't have Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, and Draymond. Green. How they do? How how'd they do last year? That's his fault. How'd him and Paul George do last year in the playoffs? That's his fault. They got they eliminated the, on they a thirty-seven foot shot. Did yeah, they get out of the first round? Come on, son. Gets like and I, and I, and I, and I know they that I know I know they lost Portland, five games. the perennial chokers. The, they didn't choke when they're hitting a goddamn shot from half court. No, absolutely not. Series. But for all of his greatness, he's not a winner. They haven't won with him. They've won. Okay, regular but they're talk about last year. Paul George totally. had a had a bum shoulder too. Right. So he was. 
Not that he was trying like to, man, not he was trying to carry him, but he was still court before, trying, gone trying to, to carry him. Finals. Like, it's just crazy, I hate dude. you. You making me go against one of my favorite players in the NBA because I love Russell Westbrook. You, the man plays with an anger and intensity that I absolutely is, love. Like, he has, he has obvious flaws, but he has obvious strengths, too. You refuse to go against the grain in all this garbage about shooting, shooting, shooting. How are we going to have enough This is today's in NBA. Current, in the current NBA, it's all about threes. That's actually not true. In the current NBA... NBA, it's all about high percentage shots to get efficiency. It's all about efficiency. It's all about getting the most points for your shots. And if you're hitting twos the way that we're going to hit twos with a combination of the Russell way you Westbrook think we're going to hit twos. Andre Drummond, what do you mean the way I think? The way you think we're going to do is you don't know. What do you mean? The we way don't know. We don't, don't know who's going to be on the court with all the health issues that all of these stars that we may or may not have so end up never, having throughout their careers. You are never ever predicting health. That's not what you, you do. Not make a trade, and, and then predict health along with it, and hope be like, you know what? Well, I, I don't want to make this trade because what if X, Y, and Z get hurt, and then we're not going to be very good? Well, no shit. No team's going to be very good. Who, who in the NBA right now? There are no more big threes in the NBA right now. They're done. And you're talking about the Lakers got the LeBron, best. AD, and Boogie. Oh yeah. I, hey, you know I'm a, man, as big a big fan three right there. Boogie is anybody, but I, I don't know about. Boston's got a big four. What you talking about? A big four what? of who? Forty-five-year-old Tatum Al Horford. <laughs> no, now if, if you mention Jalen Brown's name, <laughs> <laughs> Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, God. Kemba Walker, the Pistons will have the, the clear-cut, clear-cut best Gordon one, two, three in the East. Pistons will have the clear-cut best one. Two, you three watch next year with Gordon Hayward. They He's have be good. two years to get back mm-hmm. than people would realize. Sure. And they have a multitude of ways to beat you. The Pistons are not going to hit you with a barrage of three-pointers. But the, what they are going to do is hit you with efficiency. They're going to hit you with an insane pick-and-roll game that is going to generate easy baskets, easy buckets at the basket and open looks at three. And that is going to boost everyone's numbers across the team. Blake is going to be efficient. Luke is going to be efficient. We got the second Morris twin. We have... All of the, the pieces. Second Morris twin. If we get Russ here, <laughs> hey, he's our second. He is our I, I second. Like Marcus, I like Marcus better, but before we got Marcus, Markeith was the more heralded of the two. We're just rotating at this point. They're basically the same player. They really are. Whatever. Which is good they, because they're their game is good. Similar. I always like their game. Oh, very much. He fits right in with the team. So you play. Think of that starting lineup, right? You got Russ Westbrook, Luke Kennard. Markeith Morris, Blake Griffin, and Andre Drummond. You're telling me that's not the best starting five in the East? I mean, you can argue, if you want, the Celtics. You're telling me, and you want to talk about shooting, look at what Milwaukee did last year. Where was their shooting? And they lost Brogdon. No, they got shooting. Chris Middleton ended up shooting. Gordon, that's one guy. Not Gordon. Why their best player, can't, can always their best player can't shoot the ball. No. No, he can't. One of the best players in the in the entire. Well, I mean, he can. Everyone talks about. He just everyone talks about shooting. Shot. Look at the greatest players in the NBA right now. Giannis can't shoot the ball. AD. Giannis shoot can the shoot the ball. He just doesn't have a great outside shot. Is he's that not, not he's what not we're Ben Simmons? About? We're talking about shooting. Oh no, no. We're, I'm talking about all encompassing shooting because we have had issues with just straight shooting, not just three point shooting, but just straight there's, shooting. There isn't going squad. to be a mid range game for the Pistons next year outside of Russ. And there doesn't need to be. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. It's going to be all about getting Are you the saying all of our points are going to be from five uh, feet? Barrage of looks 
and then getting open three-pointers, which we will hit enough of. With who? Who's hitting enough three-pointers? There is nobody Luke. on this team. There is nobody on this team outside of Drummond that will not hit 35 plus percent of wide open looks from three. Nobody on this team. And that is all they need to do because they are going to be there all day. The pick and roll that we're going to run with a rotation of Russ Drummond and, okay. and Blake is going to be insane. Right. We've spent 15 the, minutes the talking about a hypothetical be because Russell Westbrook you, is not I on Detroit. And right the now, the big talk is that he's going to Miami. With For whom? Doesn't That's matter. just a smoke screen. That's not our job, not our job to figure for out. Whom? But that is where the talk is right now, is that he is going to join Jimmy Butler in South Beach. Not that he's coming to well, the deep. Miami can offer players that we can't, and we can offer picks that Miami well, can't. Why? Because why the Thunder point, already have Miami's picks. The the Thunder don't want players at this point. No, they want young you guys. Right? They already have we enough have, picks. Don't take young expiring, players. We have expiring contracts and picks. We have. So all my, the I mean, best. Miami has expiring contracts and young players. Yeah, that's it's really just what the Thunder Winslow? value. They have Justice Bam Adebayo and then uh, Tyler Euro. The slightly better Stanley they Johnson. Got, uh, no, no, they got uh, a. <laughs> uh, what's his name? Uh, GD. Goran Dragic? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's an expiring. So they're going to give him, especially if they get Westbrook, they're giving up him a deal. But that's not who the Thunder would be, like, keeping. That's not who they would pull the trigger for. It'd no, be a guy not. like Winslow, depending on what they think of him. I know, Paul, you're probably higher on Winslow than either me and Matt are. But a guy like Bam Adebayo or uh, Tyler Euro, they probably like those I've, three more than they'd like either I've, Luke Tyler's or... Tyler's the only um, one that moves the needle for me. The only one out of all of them that really moves in, that I would look at. Is uh, Bam's team. pretty good. I, I don't like Winslow at all, but he is played good last trying year. trying to acquire young lottery picks? Like, that's, that's the one guy that kind of moves the needle for me because you don't know what he is yet. I mean, he's another lottery ticket, but you got the Pistons who you get the expirings and you get, you're going to get three picks out of the deal. So the Pistons so are going to give up some six trade swap people rights. for, for yeah, us? If, if they get three picks, that'd be a lot. Yeah, so they're giving up six. I, three I think they'd probably picks. give up three or two, but they it's might gonna give up three. Be, it's going to be two first rounds. It's going to be our expirings and it's going to be a pick swap. That's the deal. And we're going to keep Luke. We're going to keep our... Why would they do a pick swap first if they're going to end up sure. with a worse pick out of it? It's the right to it's swap. So, it's, yeah, it's the right to swap. And a pick swap for... No, yeah, you're right. It's, it's it the right. I was going to say a pick swap would be worse. But no, yeah, they, they would have the right to swap, basically. Just like the uh, the Lakers got for the... Or, I'm sorry, the Pelicans got for the Lakers for AD. Mm-hmm. It's basically the right to swap. So, in that so if if everything goes south, then they got the right to swap. <laughs> Say we end up like the Thunder in a couple years, where we only have Russ for whatever reason, because Blake's gone, Andre's gone, Reddy's gone, and if we trade Luke and Noseku, and we only have Russ and then a bunch of other guys, that's when the Thunder would be like, "All right, give us your pick." It'd be hype though, man. It would be our defense probably very good, but our defense wasn't very good last year anyway. My my jadedness comes from what I've seen out of the out of the D for the last so many years on the basketball court, which has not been anything to brag about. You know, backdooring your way into the eight spot last year when we should have been higher and lost our way down to the eight because we ended up playing a couple real teams and even lost to the other shit teams near the end of the year. 
didn't help me think that this team was going anywhere. Obviously, Kennard got better as the year went on, and he showed some real stuff against Milwaukee in the playoffs. Those are important minutes and important games, and he, for the most part, balled out. And so I got to give him credit for that. But I haven't seen much. Obviously, Derrick Rose, if he's healthy, is a boost because the man is a hell of a basketball player, even with all of his injuries. Uh, Westbrook would be so much fun to watch while here, but I still need to see more out of everyone else. Now, we got all these great draft picks. I was really happy with the Pistons draft. It's the most happy I've been for one of their drafts in a very long time. Um, I really liked who they went after, when they went after him. Obviously, you know, Sekou fell to us because in most people's, you know, mock drafts, he was a top 10 pick. And uh, for him to fall to us at, uh, what were we at, uh, 15 or 16? can't remember now. 15. Yeah. So to fall to us there, you know, that was lucky for us. Glad we actually made the right call, at least what I think was the right call in snagging him. Time will tell on that one. But I just haven't seen enough out of this team for a while now to have any kind of faith that we're going to be a real contender, a real contender in the East, despite what you guys think. And if Westbrook goes to (laughs) Miami, it's a mini version shakeup of the East that the West is dealing with, with Kawhi and Paul George choosing the Clippers. Because there is a myriad of teams all of a sudden that have chances to do things. I mean, we've ignored quite a few teams in this conversation. You know, Indiana Indiana up, made some great moves in this offseason while getting back a healthy Victor Oladipo. Utah made, Indiana some made one moves. move and they got rid of Bojan. I know you are not about to say that Miami would enter the mix if they acquired Russ. Oh, I don't know what they'd end up doing. I know that it would shake things up more between him and Jimmy Butler down there. And see who else they can pull in. Can't pull in. I'm not. I'm not. Ca- I'm not counting out <laughs> Pat Riley. <laughs> Ever. Ever. Never counting out that man. Too bad he just missed the playoffs. Yeah, he had a shit squad. It was a goodbye to you know Dwayne Wade and you know right off into the sunset. We're not making real moves now. It's time to make some moves. They could have ridden themselves with Dwayne Wade and then they traded for him again. What What else do we have on the docket? Uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. <laughs> <laughs> or we talk about the, or did we talk about that first? <laughs> I mean, we did for like a minute, did, and then somehow we jumped over first. to Detroit stuff. Because Detroit's better. No, it's not. It is definitely not more interesting the what if game because he's not even a piston yet versus what is actually happening in the state of California where the Warriors have been completely disregarded now. All the focus is in Los Angeles, whether it be on the Lakers or the Clippers. Like, y'all forgetting that Steph Curry is still sitting up in the Bay Area ready to average 45 points a game next season. First of all, the focus in California should be on that fault line. All right, that's number one. Number two, I was extremely clear... What, a week ago? Two weeks ago? We don't know what you've been clear on. You've been on the podcast in about six years. Shut up. Don't even act like <laughs> I ain't talk to you guys every day. Don't even act like that. Who is this? I was extremely joined clear. Us, Ryan? I was extremely clear. I don't know. We shouldn't have him back on. How did you Golden hack this State, system? <laughs> that Golden State should be title winners at the end of the year next year. I expect Clay to come back healthy. And he doesn't really need his in what May anyways because it's not like he ever dribbles or moves with the ball, so he's fine. Yeah, and Golden defensively State, might be a question. He's a little bit of when Golden there. State wrecked the league is pretty similar to the team they have now. Hmm, there's some bench yeah. players missing, <laughs> but they've 
with with Durant <laughs> leaving, they've they've been able to acquire some yeah. more depth, depth su- that they didn't have this year in the finals. I'm surprised you're still a fan. They got rid of your boy Jordan Bell. I know, man. It hurts. <laughs> it is Wave Sean he Livingston was, too. He was really bad. Yeah, Iggy. In the but finals. they did get Willie Cauley starting. In the, in the spare spare minutes that he played, he was really bad. He really wasn't good. Him. I know. I, I barely but even like heard his name. They retained, as long as you got as long as you got Willie. They retained Looney, which surprised me. And I am a big fan. I, I think he's on the up. I think he's going to be a real big piece for them. I don't know what they're going to do with D'Angelo Russell. There's a lot of speculation that they're going to trade him. But if they don't trade him, Dira's a pretty darn good player. And if they do trade him, they're not trading him for future picks. They're trading him for help now. So yeah, they're trading him for role players. Golden like good State. role players. Mm-hmm. Good, good role play- players. Like, they got Jordan Poole, too. They, I, I don't know. Jordan Poole is going to be an enigma this year. We'll see what Jordan Poole is. He's, is, is that he, the name of Golden State's D-League team? <laughs> the Enigma, he's the been Bay Area I mean, Enigma. He's been in the summer league, been extremely up and down, just like in Michigan. But we'll see what Jordan Poole is. I don't know if he's right, ready for the bright lights. I don't really think so. But that would be another plus. He's at least a shooter there. And you got to think. What you mean? There are no like brighter Golden lights States. than what happens in Michigan. Stop. <laughs> I mean, they just I, traded I think, for Alex or Alec Burks. They just Golden traded State, for another dude that can shoot like thirty-five percent. Injuries free aside, Golden State is. You, you talked about if Russ Westbrook comes here, we're kind of starting from scratch and integrating new players. I don't know if you guys have noticed, every contender in the NBA is integrating new great players because all the stars move this offseason. Except for Houston. You have, you have your – what is Houston? I said contenders. Houston hasn't been a contender the last so many years? I, they weren't a contender last year and they won't be one this year. Yes, they were. <laughs> they absolutely yeah, why do you why do you and Dylan Stop. hate Houston so much? Stop. I don't hate because it hurts to watch them play basketball. Dylan, hold on. Dylan hates Houston because he hates James Harden and Chris Paul. I love Chris Paul, and I hate the way James Harden plays basketball, but I at least respect it. It's disgusting. It's an indictment on the NBA does, more than it is on does, James Harden. Exactly, he does what he's allowed to do and go get that bread. It's fine. It's whatever. Just shave but that beard. They're not a contender. Scratch them from the record. Yes, they are. I'm looking like a terrorist on a basketball like court. Like how? They literally retained how? everybody. They will not be a top four seed in the West this year. Nah, Utah's taking that spot. They will not be a top five seed in the West this year. I don't think they were a top four seed in last year, but they beat Utah. I'm not on the Utah bandwagon. That's not me. That's these two. Utah's going to be a better team. You watch. Not, not the Utah. I'm happy for it. I hate the if Utah If they meet in the playoffs again, Houston, Houston's going to smack Utah again. The thing I was most disappointed in is Mike Conley. Denver did not go out and make a big move. No, they got a and whole bunch I of young cats. They're just going to let them grow. But this isn't the year to let them grow. This is the year to go for I mean, they, they Gary they Harris about to average Porter like 27 Jr. points back. a game. They have Michael Porter Jr. and Bull Bull. I, I think this was the year to go for it. I think Denver had a real chance. And, I mean, they're still going to be there. Denver? You is a contender. And their big move was uh, maxing out what's his name, Murray. Yeah, DeJounte Murray. But DeJounte Murray. Biggest contract in Nuggets history. I really would have liked to see Denver. 170 million or something? Yep. Really would have liked to see Denver do a little more. But outside of teams like Denver and Utah, every actual contender is breaking back their first round pick. All new players, (laughs) with the exception of Golden State. 
Like, and this is a dude that could have been the first pick last year if he didn't get hurt. In San Antonio? Could've. I'm not saying he would have. But, like, Michael Porter Jr. was that dude before he got hurt. And he's coming back. So, say he's... Wait, was this the fool that played six games? For Missouri? Oh, wait, no, never mind. That was someone else. I, 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 don't know how, I don't know how many games he played. But, <laughs> he was one of the top players coming out of the country. And he was projected all year until he got hurt to be, you know, one of the three or four top draft picks. But say that season off to rehab, and he comes back, and he looks, you know, like Luca or something. You know, that's another piece that's, that essentially I, Denver added because they didn't have him last year. That's such a big jump, though. I mean, you can't. We have not seen him. But we've I, seen other high, and granted, both these dudes are number one picks. But like Ben Simmons said out a year. Obviously, Blake Griffin said out a year. And they came back better than they would have been at his rookies. And even if he's not at that level, if he's just better than he would have been last year, and he still seems to be a pretty good player. He has a shot. He can dish the rock. He's athletic enough. I mean, that's another guy that you can put around Jokic. Uh, pretty sure they retained Millsap. Obviously, they re-signed Murray. And they were the two seed last year. And the two seed, you know, as they didn't get him very far. Um, but but they were the two seed last year. So that's a team kind of much like Houston, where if you're just like, this team has, or even the Bucks in a way, but they lost somebody. If you're like, this team has, you know, the ability to stay pat with everyone else moving and just build that cohesiveness that they had last year. You know, the Nuggets are one of those two or three teams, at least to me, that could do that and then still be able to contend this year without adding somebody. I, I agree. Because they have the ability to play all together, and they had some really good young players. I love Gary Harris. Obviously, he went to Michigan State, but... Dessert. You know, it's one of the reasons I love him. But other than that, he's a really good player. No, I agree Obviously, about you have that. Jokic, that's why it's so frustrating. Who played monstrously in the playoffs. And it gets lost in the shuffle because they lost, you know, in the second round. But I, Denver, he played amazing. I love Denver. I love the way they play. I love how they've been built. They have my second favorite player in the NBA. They got Bull Bull, baby. I mean, you can't pronounce? My Shut man, Bobo. False. I just wish using him this with Novak Djokovic. You, you go in any one of the stars that change hands this year. You get your Denver gets their hands on one of them. They're winning the title this season. Any one of them. Take your pick. Well, they're never going to get Kawhi. Well, I. That is this man listening? I he said just said one of them. Who are they going to get? One of them. Carmelo's any, coming who? back. What you didn't hear? Who who no, no. who of any of those dudes really going to get? Carmelo's going to play in L.A. I will I will shoot the they're, Laker. They were going to get Kawhi or Kyrie. Carmelo's going to play I in will, L.A. No, I will you know shoot what? the Laker organization if they do. Nope. Better. After the Pistons trade for Russell Westbrook, we are going to bring the man that we should have drafted all those years ago. Carmelo coming back to the D. <laughs> to do what? <laughs> Take all the former greats. To do what? Yeah, great. We're the all AARP team. <laughs> all I want to know is... Over, now the Pistons are going to add Amari Stoudemire and Monte Ellis. Over under that Boban and Kristaps shoot 80%. Because they just go and volleyball that ball back and forth between them. Just keep their hands under, up high. Under, are you kidding? 80%? They both 7'3". They both 7'3". didn't shoot 80%. No, I'm saying together, they can just literally ping pong that ball back and forth, passing Absolutely it not. without having to dribble at all and just walk their way up the court because no one can Absolutely grab the ball. Absolutely not. The 80%. Mavs are Get out the of funnest. Here. You can't shoot eighty percent in two K. That is not an actual contender. This is honestly, what... 
The Mavs could surprise people. I mean, they could. They could. I mean, by making the playoffs, but the Mavs aren't. The, the Mavs aren't going to contend. You got Luca. You got Kristaps. You have the greatest offensive player in the history of the NBA. For ten minutes a game. <laughs> per baby, most efficient, most lit, better than Michael Jordan. Yeah, but now he doesn't have to buy his hair. Yeah, I know his heart's broken. I don't know if his heart's going to be in the game. <laughs> I love him. Bobby so and Toby, baby. Some of the I'm best so television out there. Go. Honestly, this is so sad. I miss him a lot. We knew that's, that's who we need to trade for. Forget Russ. Well, and we and we completely disregard in Portland, who should be getting Yusuf back. He should be ready to go to start the I year, right, Ryan? I don't care. But they, about the I mean, I know what the they. West I mean, they lost Enos Cantor, but I don't care. I don't know, about man. Yeah, but they got Hassan Whiteside. Don't care. Is I think it's and Rodney Hood. I was. I mean, they had Rodney Hood last year. There are five to oh, six yeah. teams clearly better than them. <laughs> I don't know. It might be time for Portland to move on. You think? But I, I don't know if they will. Maybe I mean, they, they made just, it farther than wait, they ever what, did last year, and then they just got swept. They ain't moving on. <laughs> no, they're maybe not, we, but it might be time. Could, maybe we could trade for Dame. No, but here's the thing. But they we saw hope. Before Nurkic went down, they saw hope of what they could be. And then Nurkic went down. They, they still ended up making the Western Conference. No, I know. But that's what I mean. Then they still made the Western Conference Finals without him. So with him that's back in Cantor the fold, balled out until he hurt his shoulder. I think they think they got a squad for next year. I think they probably think that too. I just think they're wrong. <laughs> like Kevin Durant said in this podcast, y'all ain't winning no championship. God, what is the path to Portland being above a five seed? There isn't one. I mean, I mean, just the, uh, no, I mean, no, just the fact that they're all together again. Yeah, I mean, Denver, they could be a five seed. They were a three seed this Denver, year. Clippers, and Lakers. And Golden State. Are, you know, the... And then Utah. Yeah. You And you talked about Houston. I, 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 I think they're better than Utah. What about Portland. Houston? Because you were all about Houston. Yeah, but Houston doesn't like to turn on the regular season. <laughs> You've seen it. So, so, Houston just so two years ago... Yeah, two, two years, years ago. ago. And they could have had the two seed this year, but they lost their right. last game or two of the season to fall to the four seed. And they got older players. I bet there's going to be some load management on that end. Especially with Chris Paul. Load management to the tune of six seed? And then my guess is they're probably going to rest Harden some more. Because so, I think they're trying to get Harden that MVP. Again, I think they're trying to let him go back to back. And obviously he didn't end up winning it. And we still ain't even talked about San Antonio. I think that was part of their motiva- motivation to playing him. The Spurs are dead. Let it be. You can't say that when they got Popovich as head coach. I can say that. What's he done without Duncan and Kawhi? Well, he's, he's, only, he's not had Kawhi for like two seasons. For, yeah. One of those seasons. Uh, 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 one What's real season, the other one they thought they were getting him back, and then Kawhi said, no, nah, I'm done? still hurt. Tell me what he's in done. In one year, what's he done? In one year. My bad. Two, one year. Two years. No, no, no. Because the two No, it's not two years. It's one it's like year. saying, what's Dwayne Casey known without DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry? Hey, Dwayne Casey never done anything. Period. Ever. I'm not. Only man made the conference of the year and get fired twice? in the same year. <laughs> That's amazing, actually. That is a all-time accomplishment. That is some I, bar I, I thought someone trivia. else did Future that. Maybe someone right else did that, but, I mean, it's definitely no, a rarity. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure someone else did that. I think there's, like, two other coaches. But how does that even happen? 
With Casey, I, I mean, understand how it happens. LeBron literally took the will of Toronto every time they faced off. And you cannot, I mean, you can't, can't question anything Toronto did. That's not Dwayne Casey's like, fault. <laughs> like, you no, have DeMar that's DeRozan, DeRozan and Lowry's the best player fault. against LeBron James. Like, come on. <laughs> their entire, yeah, their, their starting backcourt just forgot how to play basketball every time they saw freaking Cleveland on the other side. They got the yips, man. It was DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry against Kyrie and LeBron. You're mad that this dude can't win. <laughs> it's not. Honestly, no, no. What was mad about it was lost. that Indiana almost knocked out Cleveland in the first round two years ago. Indiana took them to seven, should have beat them, and then, and then turn around and sweep the Raptors the following How many, series. Is it two or three years in a row that the Raptors got swept by LeBron? It was, it was, I think it was two years in a row, and it was so three years two. straight because they went to six games yeah. in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, they did go to six games uh, one year because it was 2-0, and then they tied it at 2-2, and then they lost the next two games. Yeah. So they lost 10 straight games. They literally lost the 10 run. straight playoff games, yeah, to Cleveland. <laughs> and, and two of those were sweeps. Yes. And you want to tell me. It's not that they lost, it's how they lost. So at that point, I think LeBron's taking the playoffs more seriously. He's trying to get to the finals at least then. And hope to God the Warriors don't get a break. Hope a team like Houston that did take them to seven, you know, can take them to seven, and then LeBron's able to rest for, you know, a week before before they play in the finals. And it didn't help him because that year, or at least the last year that LeBron was in Cleveland, they ended up getting swept. But, I don't know, there's different. Is He's definitely turning it on. And I don't know if that's all Toronto's fault. No, but it just looks bad when Indy took them to seven games right before, and then Boston it, took them to seven does. games. I don't think they're taking it to serious right though. after or that serious, and they're like, like we know we're going to beat this team. And then when they, they got almost to the conference didn't. finals, it's like they oh, almost shit. didn't. And Toronto like, oh, didn't put up a fight. Golden State's on the other side. Let's turn it up now. Man, those Cleveland teams are old. Well, yeah, but then Boston so took him to seven without Kyrie, without Gordon Hayward. It was freaking scary, Terry. I, I, I think it's I think it's something they took for granted. They were like, "All right, we're going to smack around Boston," and then they didn't. And then LeBron was like, "All right, let me let me do let what me I've been smack doing around since they had Paul team. Pierce." <laughs> right. Since since I was on the Heat, let me end Boston's life. Speaking of Ryan, did you see that picture from the 08 Celtics dinner with everyone there? Man, but Ray Allen, Jesus Christ. God, they hold that grudge. Well, they're all so mad at him. They're all, all so mad at him. Because he went all to Rondo, the enemy. All because Rondo had beef with him, and now they're all mad yep. because he went to the Heat. Because he went to the Heat. And won. <laughs> That's so crazy. That's so stupid. Uh, ain't nothing petty like athletes petty. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. It's not like like Paul Pierce didn't try and ring chase at the end of his career. Like he joined the what Clippers. in Brooklyn? Like how like how are you holding a grudge? No, the Clippers. The Cli- hey, like, hang how on. are you hold holding up. a grudge? Hold up. How is ever joining the Clippers ring chasing? Because they had Blake, Andre, and CP3 at the time. All the all they were missing and JJ Redick. All they were missing was the starting uh, small forward. Yep, they they still were missing him when Paul Pierce was there. Hmm. So how's Paul Pierce about to get mad at him? Paul Pierce is just mad overall because he didn't get the send-off Kobe got. <laughs> and now Rondo's ass is just going to follow LeBron around. <laughs> like, how are you mad at him? Rondo will just take whatever he can get at this point in the NBA. 
No, Rondo likes LeBron. Oh, yes, he does. No, he loved playing with him. He does, you know, follow his ass around. Dude, he's been he's been on one you, team with LeBron. Did you see he's Rondo? Be his, did he's going to be Rondo's James Young. Interview the other like I don't know a couple yeah. weeks ago. No, the uh, yeah yeah where he talked all about like openly about the season and playing with LeBron yeah. and talking. Oh yeah, it was great. It was a really good interview. I love Rondo. I've always liked Rondo. Love that picture of him with a girl wearing guard. a LeBron's a bitch shirt in green and white. It happens. It happens. Moving on, I guess sort of. Is we do have a movie bracket sometime coming? I promise. I no, promise we have it's it coming. I've had it. It's been done. Prom- it's ready I can't to go. Promise how it's gonna come. I can't promise when it's gonna come. But for all you listeners, there is gonna be a sports movie bracket. All you listeners, get on their seen. ass and tell them, look, Matt's got one ready to go. They just needs the okay from everyone else, or at least two of them. Yeah, harass Dylan with messages. He's very easy to find on <laughs> Facebook. You just gotta look. I promise. I'd give out his handle, but he'd never talk to us again. Nope. So. He wouldn't, but I promise he's easy to find. So if you harass him about the movie bracket, I promise we'll do it. It's like the NCAA bracket. It's a very fun time. And instead it's, of hearing us talk about Kawhi Leonard and Russell Westbrook maybe going to Detroit, you get to hear us scream at each other about movies. We got And then Matt you get to hear them do some dumb shit. All-time great sports movies. So like pick Ant-Man we'll over Black Panther again. What are you what are you but talking? I don't allow that this time. Oh yeah, yeah. By the way, Brian, so I recently watched Black Panther again. So we need to redo this entire Marvel bracket because I take Bro, back what I said. Bro, if you change your mind, we're going to fight. <laughs> oh no. Recency bias but. bullshit. Oh man. We do have Grizzly Takes for the first time in weeks. It is a great soundtrack, by the way, on that Black Panther. Why? Movie. What has happened to Grizzly Takes, by the you way? Were, oh, the that, God, I hate you so like, much. Why the, abandonment, <laughs> why the abandonment of Grizzly Takes? Because with only two of us, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any That's sense. That's not true. Yes, it is. It no, no. When the there's two people, when there's two do. people, it's not, there's no point in Grizzly Takes with two people. Man, you might as well just well, have a conversation. So let's do Grizzly Takes, because I'm back. Speaking of football, <laughs> college football is actually less than 60 days away now since we are oh, you know, officially God. in July. Got an erection so absolutely fast beautiful. <laughs> so our Grizzly takes, and they were done in the spirit of D. Dylan Bear. He's just not, not here right now, but we'll still do him to honor his memory and his absence. <laughs> the first Grizzly take for you gentlemen, and I will go first because it is our order. But I'm talking, so I'll introduce them. It's the first Grizzly take was the college football coach that is going to be on the hot seat after this upcoming year. And the beautiful part about it is for Grizzly takes, I usually have two in case one of you guys take one. But since I'm going first, I really don't have to worry about that. This is true. So my Grizzly take for the coach that's going to be on the hot seat after this year is one Mr. Willie Tagger at Florida State. So he was the coach last year. They went five and seven in 2018. Florida State is not a football program that is happy with anything really less than 10 or 11 wins. They're in the ACC. Their fans at least still feel like they're better than Clemson any year that you can ever put them out. Even when Clemson's winning national titles, Florida State fans will straight up tell you we're a better team. No doubt about it. 
So Willie Taggart can't quickly turn that chip around. He doesn't have much of a future at Florida State because they aren't very patient at all. They're always getting good recruits. Their fan base is much like we talk about, you know, Michigan's, you know, being cultish. That 20, I think it was 2014 title that Jameis won, and we were talking about Jameis a little bit earlier off air. That 2014 title Jameis won, it, it really soured a lot of the fan base in thinking this is where we're at now this is where we should be at forever and i think unfortunately willie taggart after another disappointing season is going to face you know some of the uh some of the fire of that and he might be out of a job if they can't put together a 10 11 win season real talk i think paul pierce is buddy heald's dad (laughs) i'm watching this interview i'm like damn you look like paul pierce uh, no, that, I mean, that's absolutely grisly. I mean, you know, you're talking about a team that last year had five of the, like, 20 worst offensive linemen in all of college football. Their O-line was, I mean, it made Michigan and Michigan State's O-lines look good. That's how bad Florida State's O-line was last year. And they were embarrassed by teams that, you know, Florida State has no business being embarrassed by throughout the year. And while some teams in the ACC have gotten better, uh, that's no excuse for the drop-off that we saw from Florida State. I don't care that their head coach left them. Uh, this is still this is still the Seminoles, and they know how to recruit. They have great players coming in, and you couldn't make it work to save your life last year. Uh, couldn't even get bowl eligible for the first time in, like, what, 35 years? Something ridiculous like that. Uh, so he is, yeah, I mean, you hit that nail on the head, Ryan. Absolutely on the hot seat. I have a quick question about this Grizzly take. Is this coaches that are going to be on the hot seat or that are on the hot seat? I guess either because you say they're going to be on the hot seat and then they get fired, which all means right. their seat was hot all along. That's what – because I, I think Willie Taggart's seat's pretty warm right now. So I'm going to say it's definitely Grizzly. And I think – I mean, there's not too much more to add. He just has completely sucked it up at one of the more prestigious football schools in the land and – it's unacceptable. You cannot do that, and you cannot uh, just the way he's done it. He hasn't beaten anybody of consequence. He hasn't really beaten anybody at all. Pretty much putting his quarterback in danger every single week. Cannot figure out an offensive line or literally pretty much of anything. He's he's pretty much done. But I, I am this year. I mean, there, I already know Matt's answer. It's very obvious. But unless he decides to throw a curveball for fun. But this year, there are a ton of coaches that are getting fired straight up, like that are just not making it through, like, well, way more than normal at big schools, big names. I'm going to go a little bit off the beaten path, but close to home at the same time. But let's let Matt take it away with his. I'm really curious that you think you know my answer. Who do you think it is? I will so that this is But I would really think that Clay Helton is the obvious answer. God, you good. You so good. God. Because that's what I was doing, going from the one coast to the other coast, going from the right side to the left side, from the worst coast to the best coast, because USC football doesn't feel like USC football with Clay Helton at the helm. Another team like Florida State that went five and seven last year, coming off double digit wins the two seasons before, and everyone scratching their head about him staying in the first place. And 
if he doesn't turn it around, if USC does not win 10 games or more next year, I think he absolutely has to be gone. Because first of all, the fan base is not behind him. They're just not. They want a big name, a big splash, maybe a former Buckeye, as there's been rumors out there when that first went down. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. uh, Coming out there. But someone that can really hit and hit hard in recruiting and change the feel of the Pac-12 because it hasn't felt like the Pac-12 really since SC went by the wayside when Pete Carroll decided to take his talents up north. And USC is the life's blood of of the Pac-12 football conference. It just is. It has been for a long time now. Uh, UCLA tries to dabble here and there, but it really is the Trojans of USC. And they just haven't felt that way. And you You feel like if they can turn it around, the Pac-12 as a whole can turn things around. But it has to start with them. And if they have another abysmal season of five and seven, six and six, seven, even eight and four, I don't think it's going to be enough. I think his seat is too damn hot, and I think he's going to be gone after this year unless he wins double digits or more. Eloquently said. And he has to have probably the hottest seat in football, which is a combination of the underperformance in the place he's at, and the fact that he pretty much lives in uh, 100 degrees at all times, in sunny-ass L.A. (laughs) But it's almost not about him, but whether USC is serious about contending. I don't know if Urban Meyer really wants that job, but the speculation has been out there the moment I mean the moment that he left Ohio State. And if Urban Meyer were to take this job, USC would absolutely run the Pac-12, would be a perennial playoff team, and would win national champions. Urban Meyer would have national titles at three different prestigious universities, cementing his already cemented legacy as I want to vomit right now, but arguably the best coach in college history. But a place like USC, Urban Meyer, not Nick Saban, is the best recruiter in college football. And Urban Meyer not only knows how to recruit, but he knows how to recruit his kind of guys for his kind of system and get the most out of them. If USC wants to pursue that, if he is open to that idea, I don't care if Clay Helton wins 10 games this season. It's time to move on because Clay Helton, regardless if he surprises this season or not, is not the answer. He hasn't shown it as an in-game coach. He has not been able to recruit arguably the easiest job in the land to recruit at the level that he should. And he just has not come anywhere near that USC pedigree. If it's not Urban Meyer, there will be plenty of plenty of candidates lining up to take that job. USC can do better. I would be shocked if Clay Helton is the coach of USC next season. That's grisly for all the reasons that uh, both of you stated, mainly because you do have that Urban Meyer rumor, cloud, whatever you want to call it, looming over USC, and they can make the playoff this year. And if Urban Meyer is talking to the athletic director or the boosters, like, hey, I want this job, then Clay Helton's gone. But outside of that, USC, even just looking at the latest uh, ESPN, 
college football preseason top 25. They have USC rated as number 25. So that tells you that it's a team that they're expecting to win probably anywhere between eight and nine games. And if that's not something that Clay Helton can get done, then of course he's out. But even if he does, like Paul said, win 10 games, 11 games, they somehow find their way into the college football championship or, you know, snake their way into a, a Pac-12 championship. If our, if Urban Meyer wants the job, it's his job, even if the seat doesn't have to be hot. It, it'll still be Urban Meyer's job regardless. So Clay Helton, in that sense, is kind of in a no-win situation. So for me, that's why it's a grizzly. I'm going to stick in the Big Ten for this. Like I said, this is going to be huge turnover year for college coaches. But I'm going to go with one that is not a traditional powerhouse. It's actually pretty much a garbage school. But it is a coach that I can pretty much guarantee you will not be coaching after this season. And that is Chris Ash at Rutgers. Chris Ash has won, I want to say, six games combined his first two seasons at Rutgers. And it hasn't gotten much better. And the problem for him is it's only going to get worse. See, the Big Ten is really, really solid this year. Pretty darn deep. I don't really see them winning a conference game this year. I think they're going winless in conference. I really see two wins on Rutgers' schedule. They can beat Massachusetts, UMass. That's not a guarantee, but they can beat them. And they can beat Liberty. That's about it. Their easiest game besides those is at Illinois, who I expect to be much improved this year. I think Lovey Smith's actually going to surprise them. They're going to make a bowl game this year behind a really, really good rushing attack. They might have finally found a quarterback. Rutgers has no answers. They are in the New Jersey area, but they can't get any of that hotbed of recruits. It is a solid recruiting area. You're not out west, not down south, but for this area, the, the... the northeastern area is pretty solid. Michigan's been pulling kids out of there all the time. Rutgers can't get kids in their backyard. They can't find gems in the Midwest. They don't have any talent. Rutgers' biggest recruiting day, they hosted like 50 of the biggest kids and their families from the area. They got shut out. Their biggest recruiting day of the entire season They didn't sign a single one of those kids. So they don't have the talent. They don't have a coach that's been able to do anything with the abysmal talent they have. They're in an extremely good Big Ten, and they do not have a schedule that does them any favors. I mean, they're going 2-10 this year and probably winless in conference. You're not keeping your job if that's your third year. It's not happening. There is no way, I don't care how bad Rutgers is as a university, how bad they've been as a program, they are moving on from Chris Ash after this season. That's Grizzly. I mean, Rutgers sucks. The only way that, you know, a Rutgers coach is going to stick around is if you get another player like Ray Rice in your system who can potentially, you know, gather himself some Heisman buzz or something and buy himself what the competition you're facing. And now they're in the Big Ten as opposed to, I think, the Big East they were in before. You know, win yourself seven or even eight games. But that's definitely not going to happen especially this year so yeah he's a he's a pretty lame duck coach it's grizzly 
Okay, it's absolutely grisly. A couple things that are uh, no fault of Rutgers is the fact that they don't belong in the Big Ten. It makes no sense having them in the Big Ten. Never understood it from the jump. Uh, this is a guy who has won seven games in three years as a head coach. We talked earlier. You were surprised, you, uh, Paul. You were talking about the Michigan State offense and how bad it was, and it, like it surprised you, you didn't remember this. They were the fifth worst offense in all of college football last year, as far as D1 schools. The worst by a margin, a wide margin, was Rutgers, who couldn't get over 14 points a game. Couldn't get two touchdowns a game in their year. And so, yeah, going 2-10 and 10 next year, nine wins in four years. You can't even hit double-digit wins in four years. Yeah, no chance at all that you're keeping your job. Uh, I'm not surprised by this. I'm you know, I'm not surprised that they are this bad. Have you ever been to Newark, New Jersey? It's freaking terrible there. I'm not surprised no one wants to go there. It's disgusting. Uh, you got a very nice campus in Princeton, not too far down the way. Much better places around you than Newark, New Jersey. So I'm not surprised that no one wants to be there in the first place. They shouldn't even be in the Big Ten, and I'm not surprised at all that they are this bad in the Big Ten when it comes to pretty much all sports, but especially football. Um, don't care that they played the first ever college football game. Uh, that's all fine and dandy. You are a terrible program when it comes to college football. Have been for a very long time. And this guy, there's no chance he is here after next year. Chris Ash's tenure has been so bad that I forgot he's already coached three seasons. Yeah. He had that very, very memorable, what was it, one win season his first year? First year, one and 11. Second year, four and eight. Third year, no. Two and ten. Oh, sorry, sorry. Last year was, sorry, his first year was two and ten. Second year, four and eight. Last year, one and 11. He has gotten better every year. One win, two win, four wins. No, two wins, four wins, one win. Wait, what? Last year, they won one game. I got my, I got the whole thing backwards. It's my bad. I'm all mixed. That's how bad they've been. I mean, I can't yeah. even keep track of how no, terrible they've been. Absolutely terrible. They're a disgrace. Yeah. And honestly, I, I really, really wish we could boot them out of the Big Ten. So they much. shouldn't be in the Big Ten. Although Neither I should will Maryland. say, I, as a Michigan fan, I mean, we have a major, major New Jersey pipeline since they joined the Big Ten. It's time I to guess. fix all this. It's time to boot. It's time to boot. Rutgers, it's time to boot Maryland. Bring in Notre Dame. Bring in another Midwest school. Oklahoma and, and Texas. Let's go. Oh, I'm on that train. The Big 15. Oklahoma and Texas, next, baby. Let's uh, go. <laughs> the next Grizzly take that we have is not quite the opposite, but instead of guys who won't be here a year from now, it's going to be guys that you're probably talking about either in the first round of the NFL draft or if they're coming back to school, guys who you're talking about for the Heisman Trophy a year from now. These are the players that are going to break out in college football that by the end of the year are going to be an absolute household name. And I went first on the last one, so we're going to throw it over to you. Matthias, you get to go first on this one because I know you just got some names rattling around in your head. Oh yes, you know this. This is this is absolutely my strong point, my forte yeah, of who is going right to be a breakout college football star. It's almost as good as when I can figure out who's going to turn from being college to a great pro, like I did sticking my my wagon to Matt Leinart's tra- uh, train there. Uh, <laughs> but one of the breakout stars that is in our own conference that I think is going to be someone we need to pay attention to is a running back out of Illinois, and Reggie Corbin didn't see. A ton out of him last year as far as in the end zone, but 128 carries for just over 1,000 yards. eight, Almost 8.5 yards per rush last year, ranking fourth among 
all FBS backs with at least 100 touches. And this is a guy that his head coach is so high on. Lovey Smith loves this kid's ability, talking about being able to make people miss in a phone booth, all that Barry Sanders kind of talk that he had throughout his entire career. This is a guy that they're looking at can be a la that style of making guys miss. While Illinois is not going to be a phenomenal team in the Big Ten, I think they're going to be a good team. I think you hitch your wagon to this train, you're going to be winning a bunch more games for Illinois because I think Reggie Corbin is the guy that's going to be the big reason that they are bowl eligible and maybe even get that elusive bowl victory. If he played pretty much anywhere but Illinois and maybe Rutgers, he would not be eligible for this list because last year would have been his breakout. Mm -hmm. 128 carries against Big Ten competition. Teams literally built to do one thing and that stopped the run. And this man averaged eight and a half yards a carry. I, I talked about this a few weeks ago when we were discussing backs in the Big Ten who had the best running back rooms. And Illinois is right there near the top of conference. Big reason that I think Illinois is going to be really solid this year. They have him and Mike Epstein really good. He is going to break out in a huge way. Illinois is going to have a better year than expected. Lovey's going to save his job. They're going to make a bowl game. And he's going to go for 220 and three touchdowns in that bowl game. And people are going to know who Reggie Corbin is. And he will be on every single watch list in the country after this season. This is crazy. Every time, only counting the runs that got past the line of scrimmage, he averaged over 12 yards per carry. The problem was his O-line sucked and he was stuffed at the line over 25% of the time. That was the big thing that I talked about too when I, when I talked about how good this kid is. He didn't do this behind Michigan's offensive line. He didn't do this behind Alabama's offensive line. He did this on one of the worst teams in the entire country that had no passing threat, an abomination of an offensive line. I mean, this is a kid who on an elite team would be a Heisman contender, like now. This selection for you is absolutely grisly, which is why I know that you spent hours researching it. This is a kid that's going into his senior season, rushing for over a thousand yards last year. Over, yeah, one thousand eighty-five. He has about sixteen hundred for his career. Uh, he had a pretty good, pretty good record, uh, not record, um, but pretty good numbers as a freshman. Only rushing for eighty-six times, but still on those eighty-six carries, averaging six point one yards a carry. Lovey Smith is a guy, even from his NFL days, that likes to run the ball a lot. And in the Big Ten, this is Illinois' path to victory. It is a control-the-clock game. Our running back is better than yours, so we're going to hope that once we give him the ball, he's able to really just make something happen with it. And because of Illinois' record, he's probably not going to be in Heisman contention but if you look at just his pure numbers, this guy is going to absolutely be one of the better running backs in the country. So I am sticking the same position from the same conference. So I'm getting really close to home. I went very simple on this one. And normally I try not to do a lot from my own team. But this is one that I cannot let go because everyone has talked about the question marks in Michigan's running back room coming into this season. And I really, really have the opposite reaction. You can say that they're not proven, but I think this is actually the best running back room that Michigan's had under Jim Harbaugh. 
and the name that is absolutely going to emerge from that as a true freshman a la Mike Hart style is Zach Charbonnet. This kid is the absolute truth. He is everything people thought a guy like Derek Green might be. He will run through you. He will run over you. He will run around you. He will run past you. He is the complete package as a running back. He's a willing blocker. He has long speed. He has lateral quickness. He has strength. And this kid is going to come in and contribute right away. And the biggest reason he's going to be a household name by the end of the season is not just going to be the numbers that he puts up is he has a J.K. Dobbins-esque breakout season, but it's going to be how he plays in the biggest of moments against Notre Dame late in the season, against Ohio State late in the season. If Michigan makes the playoff, which they have a solid chance to this year, he's going to be a huge part of that. This kid is going to go for over 1,000 yards while sharing the load this year. And he's going to look like a monster doing it. I'll actually say cuddly on this one, not because I think Charbonnet's bad or because he plays for Michigan, but Michigan really usually does a running back by committee, and this is a guy that's already missed the spring. And Michigan does have a senior in True Wilson on the team who I think might take away more of the carries. But uh, is, is Chris Evans still with the team or no? Is he off so Chris team? Evans is not going to play this year. He has an academic suspension. He is absolutely not going to play at all this year. He can reapply to join the team next January and will not play at all this year. True Wilson is probably going to be the number three guy. I expect it to be Charbonnet, then Christian Turner, then True Wilson. At the beginning of the season, it might be a little different, but you're not keeping Charbonnet out of that number one spot. Yeah, I don't... I just don't expect him to to start the season. Seeing as how Harbaugh loves his loves his upperclassmen and True Wilson would even if he's not the best running back right now, he would seem to be the just the leader of the running back at least room. I don't know that it makes for a lot of headway for Charbonnet early in the year. And even at the end of the year I still expect them to keep their running backs fresh. Um, and this year there should be a new offense with Gaddis where they maybe like to throw the ball more. All those reasons, Charbonnet might end up the number one by the end of the year, but it's not something that I would count on him quote-unquote breaking out. So for that, I would say Cudley. I just wonder, it's kind of on the same lines that Ryan is as far as the running back on com- by committee, is if he has enough to kind of take away that whole running back by committee, really be the feature back and have the other guys just kind of playing side roles and not splitting up the carries like they would, that would kill his chances of really having a breakout year. Um, to me, it comes down to Michigan's O-line. I've had, you know, they should be better than they have in the last two years. I think that's going to play a huge factor on what the running backs do in general. And it's not about doubting the talent of him. It's more about the situation around him and especially the O-line in front of him. To which I want to say cuddly because I don't believe the O-line is good enough yet. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on a second. I want I want to give you a little chance. Listen, I don't care what you say about Charbonnet. But I'm going to let you know right now that Michigan has a top three run blocking line in the entire country. And by oh, far the best. Is, is it just country. pass blocking that is a problem? It is our tackles that cannot pass block that is the problem. <laughs> okay. And we return 
the guys we lose are not guys that we're going to miss. And our run blocking is elite. Well, with that new breaking news information, I'm going to go with Grizzly. (laughs) (laughs) Easily slayed. And that is a big part of it. I I didn't mention the O-line, but that really is a big part of it. Our, Our run blocking is phenomenal. Will be phenomenal this year. I mean, we have a 350-pound guard that moves, like gets so, to the second so, level and so blows he's up out of shape. <laughs> no, that's the thing. He moves. Big Mike moves. He gets to the second level and blows up backers. Like it's absurd. Mm-hmm. We have all. We have a, a four-year starter captain at left guard. We have one of the best centers in the country, and then we got a 350-pound Big Mike in his third year starting at right guard. Like that interior alone is ridiculous. We have a, I want to say, mm. fifth-year senior at left tackle, and then what hopefully will be a redshirt freshman starting at right tackle because I think he's really going to overtake Stuber and really push that position. Big trash. No, our line is, like, pretty sick this year, actually. It's the first time I felt really good about it. The, the only concern still is pass blocking on the tackles if we're not quite there yet. That's the biggest weakness this team might have. You hope it does. So I'm going to stay in conference and in in-state as well. My guy is a guy that showed flashes last year as really the only offensive threat for a team that didn't have literally any offense is, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, Jeremy Naylor from Michigan State. This is a guy that you can see on, and we know D'Antonio loves his his wide receiver sweeps, especially to the short side on third down. But I digress. But this is a kid where every single time he touched the ball, a spark happened for this team. This year he's going to be a much bigger part of the offense, and I wouldn't be surprised if this year Naylor has more 20-yard plays than the entire offense did last year because he's that electric, he's that elusive. They really just have to give him the ball. Think of another Michigan State receiver in sort of that Keyshawn Martin role where you give him the ball in the backfield on the outside, and this is a guy that can absolutely just make things happen. And like I said last year, he was inserted into the lineup a little bit later in the season when Michigan State season was really already dead. So I don't know how many of even just the college football fans in the state got to see of him, but as someone who is a glutton for punishment and pain, I watched every Michigan State game, and this is a guy that really stood out, at least to me. And he's one of those guys that, within the Big Ten and even within the country, you get the ball in his hands, and good things are going to happen for you more often than not because he can make guys miss. He's got great speed, great vision. This is a guy that I'm really excited about you know, playing within the offense and providing a spark for an offense that otherwise doesn't have it. I have questions around this one because to me, this guy kind of looks like a Daryl Stewart Jr., but smaller and maybe faster. But, you know, having that ability to go with end of rounds, go with the, you know, short crossing routes and bust one, things of that nature. I just worry about his size. He's not that tall. He's not that, you know, strong. And I just worry about our offense in general of anyone really having a breakout year considering what we have seen out of this offense over the last year or so where there hasn't been that much to talk about. 
um, be it health or the fact that our O-line is abysmal. Um, We have had talented, talented wide receivers these last few years and have gone on to average, you know, under 20 points a game with a terrible offense. Like I said, fifth worst in the nation last year uh, in terms of SBS teams. So to me, that's what holds it back from being a Grizzly. It's not so much him, but in this situation more than anything else that I haven't seen anything lately. Obviously, it's not the college season, but going off of last season to make me believe that anything's going to be so drastically different that he's really going to have a breakout year for us. So I'm actually going to go Grizzly on this one for a few reasons. Jalen Naylor is a guy who is really overlooked coming out of high school. It is Jalen. I called him Jeremy. Jalen. Yeah, I was. Go- right. I thought you said Jeremy, but I wasn't sure if it I was did. my connection, and I didn't want to question it. I don't. I don't want to take that away from you. It's so it's just, another J. Just glossing over it. Jalen Naylor went to Bishop Gorman out in Las Vegas, one of the supreme high schools for football in all the country. So it is really surprising that a kid like this that was a track star, I want to say he won multiple state titles in Nevada. He has about 4.4 speed, but he's a guy who looks faster in pads. And a lot of track guys are not like that, but he really turns on the Jets on the football field. He looks more like a 4.3 guy than the 4.4, guy that he is. And he is a little bit smaller. He's not quite six feet tall. He's probably not quite 200 pounds, but he is a guy that is extremely elusive in the open field, and he really understands angles on the football field, which is one of the hardest things sometimes for offensive players, defensive players too, but that's a big part. I don't know if you guys remember when he took that pass to the house against Indiana to really secure that win. The way he hit that second level and just gone. If you look at his profile, you don't see that on paper, but it's what you see on the field. And he was limited for all sorts of reasons last year, be it his age, be it the atrocity that whatever that offense that Michigan State had, the revolving door at quarterback and the injuries. This year, I think he has uh, many reasons to break out, mostly because he's good. He should have a healthy, solid quarterback under center. But I think Michigan State is going to need to throw the ball this year. I do not see. Michigan State has the worst running back room they've ever had under D'Antonio, save maybe the first couple years he took over that I honestly don't remember that well. They have really pretty much nothing in their running back room. Nobody proven coming back. No hyped guys in the wings. They have the worst running back room in the entire Big Ten. And I know D'Antonio's a run-first guy, and I know they didn't bring in that new offensive coordinator that all the Michigan State fans were clamoring for, but they did shake things up. And they did promise that there was going to be some change. And you do have, at least by name, an offensive coordinator that grew up rooted in spread concepts. And and that's what he ran in his history as a play caller. Not that he has extensive history doing that at the Division I level. But if D'Antonio and Michigan State's coaching staff open up things a little bit, they're going to need a go-to guy. And not just a go-to guy, but a guy like Naylor who fits exactly what they should be trying to do, what they need to do based on the personnel on their team, they're going to need to throw the ball. Lewerke's going to be better. He's going to be healthy. I think he really fits what Michigan State's trying to do, and he can really fill the role of a guy like, um, uh, who'd you have a couple years ago, had those amazing battles with Jordan Lewis. I had like 14 catches against Michigan. You guys lost, but it was a really good game. 
Help me, please. Oh, Tony Burbridge? Lippet? Yeah, Burbridge. That's the guy I'm thinking of. That's who he reminds me of, but faster. A more athletic version of him. And I think he's really going to become the go-to guy for the rookie this year. We going to throw a little love to the U.S. Women's National Team? <laughs> yeah! Just tearing to Dylan's soul a little bit more? And you Rapino, and what's the other name's name? Lavelle? Ravel? Lavelle, yeah. Lavelle, Alex Morgan. Smacking around. Was it never, never once trailed during the World Cup and had like the most goals or something or won by the most? Uh, you know, most most goals all, all time also, yeah. Broke the uh, broke the tie that the right. 91 U.S. squad had with a uh, Germany squad I mean, they uh, did the score 74 goals in their first game. Hey, you know, take them where you can get them. You want to score 13 in the first round and then kind of tone it down a notch from there? That's fine. Netherlands never trailed in the World Cup until that final game. It's crazy to win, you know, uh, four World Cups in a row, which is essentially like 16 years of just dominating. Oh, not, not in a row. We've won four, but it wasn't in a row. Win four in a we row. lost to Japan uh, in PKs uh, two World Cups ago. That was when that – remember when the uh, – what was it? The nuclear reactor See, thing that I happened thought, in Japan? I kept hearing people say, okay. No, we, we, we went to. We lost in the Olympics, too. Because I, like, I, yeah. I was like, I swear to we, God we, we lost. We lost in the Olympics, okay, that and makes sense. our wonderful greatest goalkeeper of all time had a – Complete Hope. meltdown. Hope Solo. And it was God. wonderful. Oh, I love her, actually. I love her, honestly. I love everything Sweden about her. Sweden knocking us out in the early show. have been knocked out in the Olympics. We did lose in the Olympics. The Olympics was, don't matter. That was it's a black. No, don't say that. Gold medal is a gold medal. Gold medal is a gold medal. They absolutely mattered. But no, winning this World Cup nope. with all of the pressure, the controversy, everything that was on them. Uh, and they took down some... Good squads along the way. Survived a lot of them. Survived against France. Survived against England. Uh, but, you know, we were the best team. And it showed in the end. And I will absolutely take it. You know, t- take all the glory that Megan Rapino gave us. Because we're not going to see Rapino again. She's not going to be on this squad four years from now. She's already 34 years old. Oldest person to ever score in a World Cup as game. Long, as long as Alex Morgan's on the squad, be good. Be straight. <laughs> As long as she hasn't tried twerk again. Oh, that was a hideous twerk. <laughs> I did not see that. Oh, uh, you didn't white, see that in the so locker room? probably refrain. Oh, man. Shout she's... out to the American League winning 4-3 to three in the All-Star game over the National League. Ooh, how did Verlander pitch tonight? Tigers, baby. Shout out to Mexico beating the U.S. 1-0. Shut your pole. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we dominated the first half. We should have had three she goals Dominated. The they took twice as many shots on goal. Had twice no, as no, many I actual shots. I said the shots. first half. Shut up. I said the first half. You whore. Clayton Kershaw We lost. just not as there. good at Mexico. <laughs> Mexico. I can't believe Clayton Kershaw lost. Oh, yeah. Stunning. No. Stunning turn of events Maybe there. Maybe one day we'll be good at not real sports. Just not today. Ooh, yeah, Verlander was money. He pitched one inning, two strikeouts. Zero hits, zero anything. Own that inning. The AL had uh, 16 strikeouts. Shit. Strikeouts, 16 Shane Green pitched stars. a perfect inning, too. 12 pitches. That's right. One, two, three. Boom. Actually, it looks like. I guess Araldus Chapman had a clean. Jesus Christ, Araldus Chapman struck out the side in the ninth. Mm-hmm. Shocker. It's 110 mile per hour baseball. <laughs> Oh, man. But that is 
that is all for our podcast. For us. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Paul, thank you for uh, introducing yourself to our many loyal fans and loyal listeners. It's great to join the cast. First time. First time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. First time for everything. Wonderful. Long time listener. First time talker. Hope I'll come back. Hopefully we have Dylan on next week. I think I think you'll like him. He'll, he'll be a, he'll be a blast. I think you guys will get along beautifully. Oh, I can't uh-huh. wait to meet this your, kid. Your your life views line up so perfectly. It's like it's like perfect sync. Yeah, I've heard rumors <laughs> that they're becoming more closely aligned than you would think. <laughs> Just some things I've seen. Uh, I'm not going to be eating the fried tofu though. That's not me. Are we sure that we still we're sure those that's fried tofu now because it could we still be know. rectangular tater tots. <laughs> it could be or fish nuggets. It could be anything, but it looked like fried tofu. To me. We'll have to have a bracket for what we think Dylan was eating today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for the absentee Dylan Bear, for Paul Roshan. Welcome back. For Ryan Griffin, always great to hear you again. I'm Matt Bass, and we are Sports Carnage. We had a miserable send-off last week, so we're fixing it this week. We will talk to you guys next week. Thanks again for joining us.